Hollywood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. Well, we're really glad that you're here today. And if you have your Bible, please take it out right now and open it to the Gospel of Matthew and chapter number 6. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one under a chair in front of you. You can take that Bible and turn in the back part to page 5, and you would find yourself at Matthew 6. This past week, I read a, a funny story about a young man. He was fresh out of seminary, and he took a job as a pastor at a very small church in this town. And one of the things he decided to do was to also apply to be part-time with the town's police department. He thought that would be a very helpful experience in learning how to better relate to people. And uh, he had the physical exam for being a part-time police officer, and he passed that with flying colors, and then came the oral exam. Part of the oral exam is, do you understand police procedures? But another part of the oral exam was a section where they test your ability, your ability to think and act quickly and wisely in an emergency situation. So here's one of the questions they asked him in the oral exam. If you were to come upon an agitated crowd, what would you do to disperse that crowd? And he thought for a moment, and he said, I would announce that I was going to take up an offering. (laughs) Yes, that's one way to disperse a crowd. And you know, a similar kind of thing can happen when you announce in a church that you're going to start teaching on treasure principles, that you're going to tackle the subject of money and giving to God's kingdom and how you should handle your financial resources. A lot of times when that gets announced, suddenly the crowd thins out. And so I appreciate you. I appreciate you not becoming bedside Baptists over these three weeks. We're looking at treasure principles where you just decide to stay beside the bed rather than being here. I appreciate the fact that you did not choose to take an impromptu visit to your Aunt Edna for three weeks while we were covering this. So just thank you so much. I understand that the most sensitive nerve in the human body leads to one's wallet. So thank you for being here. And I want to just make this point. Biblical perspective is something that we all need. And we all need biblical perspective when it comes to the subject matter of money. And as we've been working through our study on treasure principles, we've seen that we all have an inner desire inside of us to be a treasure seeker. In fact, Jesus, we've seen this, commanded us to be a treasure seeker. If you have your Bible open to Matthew 6, look at verse 20 again. We've been looking at it every week. Jesus says to the disciples, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. We are commanded to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven, and that treasure involves reward that is going to be reward beyond our imagination, 
But also I believe that treasure involves friends who will be there to welcome us, friends who have come to Christ or grown in Christ because of the finances that we invested in the kingdom of God. You've been with us in our study. We looked at two common barriers to be a heavenly treasure seeker. The first one is suffering from a severe case of affluenza, and sometimes we struggle with that. A second common barrier to be a heavenly treasure seeker is having nearsighted perspective. And last time we looked at the first part of that, about how God has blessed us, nearsighted perspective about how he has blessed us, and we pointed out that we are truly among the rich in this present world. This past week, uh, Mark Robinson and I were having a discussion about that, and one of the ways that we can emphasize that we're among the rich in the present world is that we actually have drinkable water. There are multiple millions of people in the world that don't have safe, drinkable water. And Neil Boyd is in Zimbabwe right now, looking into this whole idea how there are multiple millions of people without water. Now, some of you are younger saying, oh, who cares whether you have water? Well, it's not just they don't have water. They don't have Dr. Pepper. They don't have Cokes. They don't have iced tea. They've got nothing safe to drink, and yet we do because we're among the rich in the present world. And then we talked about having a nearsighted perspective in another way, and that is about how God rewards us. Remember we looked at that last time? We pointed out even if we have a limited amount of money, we can be a large investor in God's eyes. God's economy is different than this world's economy. It comes from a different world. And by the way, if you don't have the previous messages, you should go to our website at wildwoodchurch.org and get those because we're just building on the foundation of those first two messages today. What I want to do now is to answer the question we ended with last time, and that is, well, how? I'm commanded to store up heavenly treasure. How do I do that? Are there specific principles for that? And the answer to the question is yes. And at this point, I want you to take out the little yellow handout that was tucked inside of the bulletin that you received. And we want you to take some time to write these principles down. We're going to give them to you. We want you to have them in one place so so that you can take these principles, tuck them into your Bible, and you'll always be able to find them. In fact, when we talk about some life response today, it's going to involve these principles. So take a hold of that little handout, and let's fill in the blanks as we go along. Now, as we talk about the whole idea of treasure principles, we want to look first at what we've already emphasized, and that is the core foundational principle. And here's the core foundational principle. Jesus exhorts all of us, that's what goes in the blank, to store up treasure in heaven. Jesus exhorts all of us to store up treasure in heaven that includes both reward and friends who will be there to greet us. Turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians and chapter number 16. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. 1 Corinthians is behind the book of Acts and behind the book of Romans. And we're going to spend several different times diving back and forth between 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians chapter 9. They're just a few pages apart. 
But the core foundational principle is that Jesus exhorts, and the key phrase there is all of us, to store up treasure in heaven. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Paul says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. Verse 2, on the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collections be made when I come. Now, I want you to notice that this is a universal teaching that he has given. He gave it to the churches of Galatia. He is giving it here to the church at Corinth. And of course, it was directed with you and I in mind. But remember, the core foundational principle is that Jesus exhorts all of us to store up treasure in heaven. And you notice it says there, the key phrase is in verse 2, on the first day of every week, and if you underline your Bible, you can underline this next phrase, each one of you is to do this. And in the original language, that little phrase, each one of you, is emphatic. That's his central point that he's trying to communicate. All of us are to store up treasure in heaven. Now, turn over a little bit in the right to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and I want you to see that he repeats this concept, how all of us are to store up treasure in heaven, in chapter 9 and verse 7. He says there, each one must do just as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You'll notice the phrase, the first couple of words of that verse says, each one. And here it is even more emphatic than it was in 1 Corinthians 16, 2. He's saying no matter what your age may be, no matter what your financial situation may be, All of us are to store up treasure in heaven. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are called to be a treasure seeker. You're called to store up treasure in heaven. A number of years ago when I was in seminary, I I began to work for a little while with some financial planners and some counselors. I was just trying to learn a little bit about that whole concept And if you work with a financial planner or a financial counselor, one of their core pieces of advice they will give you is when you look at your financial world, they'll say, don't think now. Think 30 years from now. And as you think 30 years from now, you should do your planning and your budgeting and your investing in such a way that you will reap fruit in your latter years. Well, when it comes to this idea of storing up treasure in heaven, Jesus is really saying to us, don't think now. Think 30,000 years. Think eternity. And then you do your planning and your budgeting and your investing so that you can reap the fruit of it in eternity. 
If you ever worked with anybody who does financial planning, there'll be times when these planners will be very big on certain investments. They'll say, well, I'm really big on that investment. Well, God is very big on eternal investment. That's why it thrills his heart when we store up treasure in heaven. So, the core foundational principle, Jesus exhorts all of us to store up treasure in heaven. Well, then how are we supposed to do that? What are the guidelines that God gives us? And that leads us to the next portion we want to look at, and that is four practical how principles. And these are very, very vital. Again, I wished I had been taught these when I was younger in my spiritual life. So write these down. Very important that we get them. Four practical how principles on how we are to store up treasure in heaven. Here's the very first one. We are to store up consistently, to store up consistently. And by the way, that is a valid principle for doing earthly investment. It will tell you if you want to do earthly investment that you should do it consistently. Now, if we're going to store up consistently, we want you to notice a couple of things. It should be planned. It should be planned. Notice 2 Corinthians chapter 9, again in verse 7. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, just as we have planned to do. The idea is we are to decide and to determine beforehand. Now, now, please don't misunderstand me. I don't want anyone going away with the idea that I'm saying that we would never give to God's kingdom on the spur of the moment. You know, th- this is not precluding that. There may be times when we do that. But here's what I think. I think God understands the way that we work. And he knows that if we don't plan it, it's highly likely that we won't do it, that we tend to forget, that we tend to get distracted with life and its ups and downs. He just knows that money tends to grow wings and fly away. So if we're going to store up consistently, it should be planned. It means that we prayerfully determine in advance what we're going to do. And if we're going to store up consistently, secondly, it should be regular. It should be regular. Look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 16 again and verse 2. Notice what he says there. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collections be made when I come. He says that you should do this on the first day of every week regular, so that no collections be made when I come. Now, what was the first day of the week? The first day of the week was Sunday. And the implication was that the church assembled, as they began to do in the New Testament, 
on a Sunday and that they would take up a collection. And he says, I want you to do this on a regular basis so that when I come, we don't have to take up any more collections. The collection would have already been made. If we're going to store up consistently, it should be regular. That means not sporadic, not hit or miss. And again, I think God, God knows us so well. He knows there's often a gap between our best of intentions and our ultimate actions. Now you say, well, wait a minute. Is this telling me that I, I literally have to do this the first day of every week? Well, we need to remember that in the New Testament era, people were paid daily. And so if they were going to give regularly, they would give on a weekly basis. In our culture, some of us are paid weekly. We could give on a weekly basis. Uh, a large number of us are, are maybe paid twice a month, and most of us maybe are paid on a monthly basis. The idea isn't so much that it's done weekly as it's done regularly. And maybe you're someone who is younger and you babysit occasionally. What should you do? Well, you invest in God's kingdom whenever God provides for you. Maybe you're in a situation where you get a bonus from your job periodically. What should you do? Well, whenever God provides, store up heavenly treasure. It needs to be regular. And if we're going to store up consistently, it not only should be planned and it should be regular, but thirdly, first fruits are more effective than leftovers. First fruits are more effective than leftovers. This whole idea of first fruits traces back to the Old Testament era. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, the first fruits of all your crops. The idea was is that you had this harvest of your crops. The first fruits was the first part of the harvest and that you would give God from the first part of the harvest out of the first of the crop up front. Or if you were raising sheep and you would have a production of wool, the idea is that out of the first part of that production, you would give to God. Too often, it seems like we approach it more with the leftover approach. And the problem with investing out of leftovers is that usually there's nothing left over. We may have good intentions about what we're going to do, but at the end of the month, suddenly we find all of the resources we have are gone. Now, I want to be transparent with you. In the very early years of my spiritual life, this was one of my greatest failures. I just did not employ this principle of storing up consistently and planning it and being regular and thinking first fruits. See, what would happen early on is I would just get very busy. I would postpone it. Well, we'll take care of that. We'll do that at the end of the month. And I'd come to the end of the month, and I'd go, whoa, where did it all go? Very important that we understand this. And I can remember, you know, if you do that, it seems like it's not just one month that happens. It seems like suddenly several months go by. 
and there's nothing left over. And I can remember, I can remember, I can still feel the emotion of a couple of times when I was making enough money where I had to fill out a tax return, and I can remember filling out this tax return. And at times, I was just startled. That much money came through my hands, and that's the amount of money I invested in the kingdom of God? It sort of shocked me. So we're looking at four practical how principles for storing up treasure in heaven. The first one is to store up consistently. The second principle is to store up proportionally. Proportionally. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, 2. It says, on the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save, and then here comes the key phrase, as he may prosper, as he may prosper. We're to store up proportionally. Turn with me a couple of books to the left to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 11 and verse 29. We have a report here about believers who are storing up heavenly treasure. And notice what the report is here by Luke. He says in verse 29 of Acts 11, and in proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. Now, what I want you to do is look at that verse for a moment and notice the phrases that jump out of it that are some of the principles we've already seen. Notice the phrase there, each of them were all called to invest in heavenly treasure. Then notice the little word there, determined. Each of them determined. The idea was it was planned out. It was thought about ahead of time. And then the other phrase, which is the current principle we're looking at, is in the proportion that any of the disciples had means. You see, all those principles are there. We are to store up proportionally. You might remember in 2 Corinthians 8.12, it says, it is acceptable to store up heavenly treasure according to what a man has, not according to what a man does not have. Now, this principle of storing up proportionally is both an encouragement and a challenge at the same time. It's an encouragement because you do not have to give large sums in order to be a large giver in God's eyes. Remember, we looked at that last time. We looked at the widow in Mark 12, who gave a very little amount. And yet Jesus said, because of this principle of proportional giving to his kingdom, he said she gave more than everybody else. We're to store up proportionally. God's investment program is different from the world's. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that is really cool. I think that is really encouraging. But this idea of storing up proportionally is also a challenge. 
Because it means that at one point, maybe in our financial life, that we give a small amount and it is a great accomplishment. But maybe at another point in our financial life, we give a small amount when we could have given plenty and we're ultimately guilty of underachieving. The idea here is as the Lord prospers us, we are to invest a greater amount or a greater percentage in our giving. Now, I want to take a moment, just sort of freeze frame for a second, and I want to talk about the most common pattern that goes on out there, and then I want to talk about a common hang-up when it comes to storing up proportionally. Here is the most common pattern. Here's what tends to happen with us. As we prosper and grow financially, we tend to just simply spend more on ourselves rather than increasing our investment in eternity. That's sort of the default way that we tend to work. God blesses us with more income, and we just simply spend more on ourselves rather than increasing our investment in eternity. See, that is why every year, every pay raise, every job change, we should reevaluate where we are because we are to store up proportionally. Now, I want to mention a second thing, and that is the most common hang-up that's out there. And that most common hang-up is that we get hung up on a tithe. We get hung up on 10%. Now, the word tithe really means a tenth. And you can study the tithe in the Bible. It was a very common practice among the people of God going all the way back to Melchizedek and to Abraham. But there wasn't just one tithe at certain periods of biblical history. In the Old Testament law, there were multiple tithes that actually added up to some 23% of somebody's income. Now, my personal opinion, the tithe is never mandated in the New Testament. The New Testament principle is that we are to give proportionally. We are to give as we prosper. Now, for some of us, 10% may be a good beginning target, but it's not the mandate in the New Testament. The principle is we give and store up proportionally. Let me just give you an illustration of what this would look like. Let's say in our economy, somebody makes $25,000. If they're going to give 10% of that, they give $2,500. That leaves them $22,500 to live on. Let's take somebody else, maybe in this economy. They make $125,000 a year. They give 10%. They're giving $12,500. But they're living on $112,500. And the whole point of this is that the person who's giving 10%, who's at a very low income level, is carrying a far heavier load than someone who's making a lot more money giving 10%. 10% at one level of income could be very sacrificial. 10% at another level of income would be far less sacrificial. And so the idea is this, as the Lord prospers us, 
we not only increase our standard of living, but we also increase our standard of giving. Now, I'm not saying it's not wrong, but it's wrong to increase your standard of living. I mean, we've done that. When we got married, we were living in a rental. Eventually, we bought an 800-square-foot house. And as time has gone on, we've gotten a little larger place to live. doesn't mean that it's wrong to increase your standard of living. It just means that as the Lord prospers us, we should not only increase our standard of living, but also our standard of giving. For some people, 10% is highly sacrificial. For others, 10% isn't really sacrificial at all. And King David said this, I will not offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. If it doesn't really cost me anything, what does that say about my heart before God? He's saying it should be sacrificial in some way. So we're looking at four practical how principles. The first one is that we're to store up consistently. The second one is we're to store up proportionally. The third one is we are to store up generously. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18. We've been in 1 Timothy 6 before. There's a huge discussion about this whole issue of money and the believer here, but I want you to notice what he says in verse 18. Paul to Timothy, he's talking about the disciples, he's talking about people like us. He says, instruct them to do these things, instruct them to do good. Instruct those in the church to be rich in good works. Instruct them to be generous and ready to share. We're to store up treasure in heaven generously. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9, 6. 2 Corinthians 9, again, and verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Paul says here, and by the way, chapters 8 and 9 are all about investing in heavenly treasure. He says in verse 6, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully or generously will also reap bountifully or generously. Now let me just ask you a question. How many people here grew up in a farm environment? Let me see some hands. How many people? Okay, I don't know, maybe 10% of us, 15% of us. Let me ask you a question if you grew up in that kind of environment. How do you get a big harvest? And the answer is, you sow as much seed as possible. If you want a big harvest, you have to sow seed in a very generous way. Now, I want you to follow along in your notes that there are three possible categories that at any one given point, each of us will fall into when it comes to storing up heavenly treasure. The first category is that we do it less than our ability. In fact, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, that's really what he was confronting them over. You are doing less than your ability. Another possible category is that we store up heavenly treasure according to our ability. And then the third possible category is that we invest in eternity 
beyond our ability. And remember when Paul talked about the Macedonian churches in 2 Corinthians 8.3, he says they gave according to their ability. No, they gave beyond their ability. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to look at those three categories, less than our ability, according to our ability, and beyond our ability. And then ask yourself the question, which category fits you? Which category best describes me? You notice these are all around principles. It's not specific amounts. But at any given moment, we're either giving less than our ability, according to our ability, or beyond our ability. I want you to notice in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You see, as we store up treasure generously, it increases the harvest of our righteousness. So four practical how principles. First of all, we're to store up consistently. Secondly, we're to store up proportionally. Third, we're to store up generously. Fourth, and this may be a surprise to some of us, we're to store up cheerfully, cheerfully. Again, chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians and verse 7. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We're not to store up heavenly treasure and give to his kingdom grudgingly, that is reluctantly or painfully. I can't believe I have to do this. What a pain it is. We're not to do it under compulsion. That's where we feel like someone forced us. They pressured us. I had to do it because they were just putting so much pressure on me but rather we're to store up cheerfully. The idea is being glad and merry as we do that. Now, how can you do that? How is it that a person can invest in the kingdom of God and store up heavenly treasure cheerfully? I believe the key to that is maintaining an eternal perspective. In fact, it gets kind of exciting when we believe that as we do this, God is going to generously reward us. Now, is God good at rewarding? Yes, he's good at rewarding. In fact, when God rewards us, it's really beyond, well beyond what we deserve. And because we know that to be true, we can store up heavenly treasure cheerfully. I remember a number of years ago, I had a discussion with Bob Clark after we talked about money one time on a Sunday morning. And he made this point. He said, you know, in the world's economy, when you want a higher percentage of return, you are required to take greater risk. That's the way it works. You want a high percentage, you're going to have to take a little more risk. That's the way the world's economy is. But he went on to say, but in God's economy... When it comes to storing up eternal treasure, there's no risk. There's no risk, and we get, in essence, a million percent return on it. And when you think of it that way, there's no risk, there's a million percent return, cheerfully is how you want to store up heavenly treasure. It's no wonder 
that Jesus said, as it's recorded in Acts 20, 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, those are the treasure principles, the core foundational principle, the four practical how principles. Now, my job before the Lord is to share those treasure principles with you. The ball is now in your court and in mine. And as we conclude our study of treasure principles, I want to talk about two steps of life response that we should have. Here's the first one, and they're right there in the bottom of your handout. First life response, perform a heavenly treasure principle review. Perform a heavenly treasure principle review. What do I mean by that? I mean that you and these principles and the Holy Spirit spend a little time together. You know, Jesus said that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And giving is a reflection of where one's heart is toward God. I want to share with you two brief quotes from two men that I respect. The first is Haddon Robinson. He said this, you can tell a lot about a person's spirituality by looking at his checkbook. And then Dr. Ryrie, very, very appropriate comment when he talks about our giving to the kingdom of God. He says, in some ways, it proves our love more conclusively than depth of knowledge, length of prayers, or prominence of service. These things can be feigned, but the use of our possessions shows us up for what we really are. So take some time to perform a heavenly treasure principle review. Secondly, my way of life response is this. Remember, now is the time for eternal investing. See, now is the window of opportunity. All that we have, we're going to leave here when we die. If there's going to be changes that we need to make or alterations or adjustments we need to make, now is the time. See, now is the time for second chances. Some of you are thinking, well, I wish I'd heard these years ago. Listen, it's all water under the bridge. But now we have an opportunity to apply these principles, to give what we can't keep, to gain what we cannot lose. By the way, one of the first opportunities we're going to have that you're going to begin hearing about next week is this Backpacks to Mexico program where we're able to invest some money, store up some heavenly treasure. And for every kid who gets that backpack, remember, the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to be shared with them. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for the word of God. We thank you that you help us so much. And Father, I would pray that you would help us be bold enough to perform a heavenly treasure principle review, just to allow you to speak to our heart. And then, Father, may we remember that now is the time to invest eternally. And even though we may have not done it 
consistently or in a planned way, we can change that right now as you lead and guide us. Father, my prayer as we go through all of this is that we would have as our life focus to live for you, to live for you, and live for your kingdom. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.